0: Hello and welcome to Hawk Talk. It's Hawk's Geek Culture Podcast, where we talk about geek stuff, nerdy stuff, and all sorts of awesome. My name is Danny Shepard, and joining me as always is my lovely bandicoot, starting with Jeremy Lee. That young. Noel Shefflin. I am me. Are you? And walk on Tony.
1: (laughs) Hey guys. What a do, baby Tony Smith.
0: (laughs) I said your Twitter handle.
1: (laughs) It's all right. It's all right, dude. It's cool. Can I walk on you? No, you cannot. I feel like you're not not understanding what that means. If you ever see Tony.
0: In the streets, make sure to physically put your foot on him. Don't kick him.
1: What? But just
2: like
0: set your foot lightly on him and then try to walk up him.
2: Yes. Make sure you take a picture of it and then tweet it at him. Hashtag uh, walk on Tony. I feel like
1: that's definitely not something you should do.
0: Hashtag walk on Tony while you walk on Tony. No. I don't support (laughs) that. Just kidding. Don't do that. Don't (laughs) don't do that.
1: I don't. I just don't know how I would react to that.
0: Probably not very. Not very
1: well, well I knowing you. Know. Not very well. It kind of depends on what clothes I was wearing, <laughs> but if I'm out in public, it's probably best to not touch my public clothes. To not put your feet on
0: Tony. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, yeah, we're just going to uh, jump right into it today. No, so uh, let's do it. All right, let's do, let's it. do let's it. Let's go. Let's go. Dive right in there.
1: Let's get back on the right track.
0: We're gonna. We're gonna. All right, Jim Carrey. We asked some questions and. You guys provided some answers. No. <laughs> we asked a question, and then you guys asked subsequent <laughs> questions that we will now proceed to answer. <laughs> Got it.
1: Oh, dude, it's going to be a great episode. It's going to be I'm a real, great show.
0: Oh, it's going to be a great show,
3: boy. <laughs> it's going to be a great show, boy. Hey, All boy,
4: right.
0: um, Irish. Matt Everard starts it off. With an intense question, is it about camping? Intense? It's not about camping. Damn it. But it is about any new theories on Game of Thrones. Damn. Oh, oh boy! Go, Go ahead and say spoiler alert right away before we get in any anywhere. Spoiler alert: We're going to talk about spoilers on Game of Thrones. So be ready, or don't be ready. Be Redrick, Frederick. Fred's not in the room right now. But. Okay.
2: Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Wherever he is, his eyes just twitched.
0: Someone no just said that. He sneezed. He's like, Achsh! he's like, who's talking about me? Anyway, <laughs> Game of Thrones series. So last episode just aired yesterday, as of recording this. So that was episode three of this season. True. Any uh, any theories on where the season's gonna go after seeing
1: these uh, last two episodes? I stopped making predictions after we saw Sansa. Be, get defiled. Mm-hmm. And also when Aria lost her eyes. I was like, I no longer have any predictions because I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like Flynn Rider. I must say that this is the strangest thing I have ever done. Yes, that's how I felt. You're just like, I don't know what's going to happen. Holy hell. <laughs> I don't. I stopped making predictions. There is one. There's one I don't want to say prediction, but I want to say possibility mm-hmm. that I think would be really cool to see. So, spoiler alert. So, Olena Tyrell, she drinks the poison. Yes. And what she says to Jamie afterward, Yes. somehow she wins this. Savage. Even she, in her death scene. She wins her death. <laughs> yeah. If that is not... If that's not boss, I don't know what it is, dude. I just, <laughs> right. like, Olenna, uh, Olenna Tyrell, bro. She's always been boss. And Queen of Thorne. Yeah, dude. So what I was, so based off of that, I think Jamie may have this kind of inner turmoil, obviously because now he knows who killed his son, but because I don't think he's going to tell Cersei.
4: Hmm.
1: Or oh. it's not going to come out. And she is going to somehow get to a point where maybe somehow she gets in front of, and I don't know, this may not happen or may not happen, your, your boy Tyrion. Because <clears throat> she's still under the impression that he killed Joffrey. Yeah. And Sansa, uh, Sansa killed Joffrey. Now that Jamie knows that it's oh. Olenna, there may be a full circle where he gets in between her because she may lose her mind. We've already seen it. She's already lost, she's mind. lost her mind. She's lost I mean, she's still... Her she's marbles still are... She's still hanging intact. on by a thread yeah, right now, yeah, no, dude. she's still intact. But she's nuttier than squirrel poop. Yeah, she... <laughs> yes. Hashtag nuttier than squirrel poop. <laughs> with, a, with a picture of Lena Hetty as, <laughs> as Cersei. <laughs> yeah, tweet it at Tony. At walk on Tony. Hashtag nuttier than squirrel poop. <laughs> so... I think that there may come a point where Jamie, and that may be a turning point for him, seeing on an objective level, maybe I should get away from this person. And maybe it might be too late. I think Jamie
2: already knew that he was in too deep, but his conversation with Elena kind of opened his eyes to it. Like, oh wait, I am in too deep. And you're right, but he's not going to admit it there, obviously, but now that he knows that she was the one who killed joffrey like you said that changes the dynamic between him
1: and tyrion and him and cersei yep yep totally so. does oh well cuz he we've already see that she's on this like rampage like she just refuses it's like she's got like I think she said something to this extent and like it, power for the sake of power. Yeah. You know, it's like that. that's really all you're doing now. You're not, it's not power for the sake of like holding on to a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Y'all are done. Yeah. Like you're on the way out. Yeah. You're at this point, unless Tyrion finds some long lost love and, you know, consummates it, then there's going to be no heirs to you guys. And I can guarantee he's probably not going to want it to be. A, a classic Lannister situation with his child. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's it's very interesting.
0: Didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. No. Until this moment, that this basically uh, removes all blame from Tyrion. Yep. That.
1: Yeah, dude. Just still,
3: still killed Tywin, but did. Still, oh yeah,
0: shot him with a crossbow. It was dope.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> no, he still on. can be beheaded. He still can be executed. For treason against the crime or treasonous acts. Totally. That's Yeah. But like Cersei's rage
0: against him mm-hmm. was not for killing Tywin.
1: That's true. It was for killing she, Joffrey.
0: Yeah, she, pro- she did it. not she, like Tywin.
3: Yeah, she doesn't really it, like that. No one
0: likes
1: Tywin. Tywin
0: doesn't like Tywin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't I didn't even realize that. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, this like totally removes him from all like Everything that had happened, yeah. she was totally 100 wrong in the wrong. In and the now wrong. Jamie knows. Like Jamie says, if I saw, if I see Tyrion, I'll kill him myself. Mm-hmm. But like that, this is all changes things now. Yeah. Because, yeah, like why? Why would you kill him now, dude? I mean, he killed yeah. Tywin, and I think Jamie. Uh, Jamie was the only one who actually still kind of liked his dad. It like, yeah. seemed like they had a troubled relationship, but he seemed like he respected like his he respected dad a lot. Was
1: there any falling out there that we could see with Jamie and Tywin? I Mean he wasn't stoked that he uh lost his hand and was now this He didn't yeah, he
3: he spoke down to him once yeah. he lost his hand. So I yeah. think he he had some resentment, but I think he still looked up to him. Like I feel like a part of him still. I think having
2: respect him. is different than liking. Oh,
3: absolutely. One
2: hundred percent. I
0: think he liked his dad. I mean we're we're getting into the weeds here, but I still yeah. think I still think this isn't going to change anything with Cersei.
2: No. She's crazy. So, real quick. Oh, no. On Tyrion. You had a theory about Tyrion not exactly being a full Lannister. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, I totally think that Tyrion is a Targaryen.
2: Yeah. Not, a, uh, uh,
0: not an uncommon theory at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that?
3: Um, oh, like, you mean what they all have in common? Yeah. So, uh, Tyrion... John and Daenerys, all their mothers died coming out of birth, yep. and they're they're all technically bastards. Um, oh, what was the other thing? Uh, There's another thing. Tyrion looks
2: completely different than any other Lannisters. Yep, not even given the dwarfism, but mm-hmm. all the other aspects
1: like different colored eyes, different colored hair. Mm-hmm. So, what do we think? Like, what? Who do we think his his? Do we think it's his mother or his father? That is Targaryen.
3: His father, yeah, his father. His father's so Targaryen. Aegar
0: or Rhaegar? No, his the father. King, Tyrion's right. father wasn't wasn't Rhaegar. Tyrion's father was Ares. Okay. Possibly was Ares. That's the rumor.
1: <clears throat> Who is How, the Mad so, King? So some. So.
3: The Mad King basically raped. Raped. Hywin's okay. Wife.
1: That's very interesting, too. It would make a lot of sense, too, because you'd think that...
3: That's why Tywin was kind of with Robert in the Rebellion, like, at least was backing him at one point.
4: At the very end.
1: He yeah, backed at him at the very,
3: very end, very end once
0: Baratheon had already basically won. won. Mm-hmm. The second Robert Baratheon killed Rhaegar, that's when Tywin's like, winner is decided, yep. gonna go sack King's Landing. Yep.
3: Little yeah. snake.
0: Yep.
1: To sneak in the grass. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Robert Baratheon is supposedly a Targaryen. What? To oh, some yeah, extent. yeah, no, yeah, he's
0: the Baratheon line in general. Yeah, it's, to some extent, bastard yeah.
1: of the Targaryen lineage. So that's why that's Gendry right. is still a big deal. Like he'll ever
0: come back? Yeah, I don't know. My prediction:
3: This is I don't know how long <laughs> we were talking about that. My prediction is that I think Arya. Is going to. I just really want to. It's not even a prediction. This is what I want to see. I don't care if it happens. (laughs) I want to see Arya kill Jamie and then as Jamie kill Cersei.
1: Cersei.
2: Oh
3: damn. That would be savage. That would be dope. That would be be
1: hella savage. That would be ruthless. (laughs) Hey, by the way, while we're talking about ruthless kills here, that dungeon scene. Oh yeah! Holy hell, the dude! Yes!
3: Oh yeah, dude!
1: I was watching this. Carissa, Carissa was a mess. Really? Damn. Oh yeah, she was a mess. This entire episode, she was a mess. Yeah. This like, whole episode handshake is so good with Jorah. Oh, I that was yeah. like that was she such didn't a she did Yeah, she didn't understand the powerful moment of this, and they they like shot his hand pulling out right mm-hmm. and like reaching out for someone, and I was like, it's the first time he's gonna get to touch another
3: human being. Yep. Yeah. That's also the f- and I-
1: she was like. I just see her hand go up, and she are just tears. Yeah, and then you see that shot afterwards of the uh, the significance of him being redeemed physically and emotionally, Mm -hmm. and you see that light being draped on him. And I was like, man,
2: woo! This (laughs) is powerful. He will find out the significance of Sam and John, and like all these relationships. Once he gets I back know. to Daenerys. I'd
1: really like to see a redemption story with Jorah, dude. I'd like to see him become the the Lord of Mormont. Like, and, like, come back to, mm-hmm. like... Because I feel like the Mormont, like, that whole family mm-hmm. seems just so strong. Oh, yeah. So, like, deep. Totally. In its values. I mean, you have, like, Jorah, and then you had his father.
3: Dior. And then you have the little girl. Yeah. Lady Mormont.
1: I was like, dude, y'all are mean.
0: Yeah. Y'all, Y'all are, are full of heart.
1: Yeah, they're, they're just great. I love that family.
2: Noble, a noble line. Jeremy, mm-hmm. any theories after this last episode? I just want to see some ice dragons. <laughs> the
0: ice so dragon so
1: is an ice dragon against the White Walkers or for the White Walkers? We have no idea. What are, you, what are your predictions? My prediction? Yeah.
2: Uh, they're against the White
1: Walkers. I think or maybe I think it's or maybe the dragon.
2: yeah, an ice dragon is a White Walker dragon.
1: Uh, <laughs> God, that's just rumor the worst. has it. There's
2: something inside rumor of the wall. It. Oh, which by the way, I don't know if we ever mentioned this, but Bran was touched by the Night King in his vision, and so when he went back into the cave where the old Three Eyed Raven was the magic seal around the cave was broken yeah, so no. the White Walkers could yeah, come we, in. We, we talked about this, okay. talked about this last, so episode, Brand, last episode. So you Bran know, yeah.
1: walked through the wall, which was protected by magic. Yep. The significance of that. I, I, feel like, I feel like maybe they'll touch on it in like some cool sequence. Do you think the, the end know, of dude. this season will end with, with the, the wall, wall falling?
0: falling? I think so. That'd
1: Damn. be such a crazy set piece
3: moment. And then all <laughs> you hear is, like when the credits are rolling, all you hear is just like wind.
1: Oh yeah. Damn. Um, anyway,
2: I still think something is inside the wall. Uh, well I think, guess
1: we'll Do you think there's something inside of Dragonstone?
2: I was saying that while they're mining the dragon glass in Dragonstone,
1: maybe they discover more dragon eggs.
0: Oh shit isn't it? That dude, would if, be they, if they if yeah. they
1: discover more dragon eggs, dude cheat code. Cheat <laughs> code. Pride. Chico, Damn. Chico, Chico. Now <laughs>
2: everyone has a dragon. You get a dragon. <laughs> you get
1: Everybody, a dragon.
0: You get a dragon. Everybody, dragons everywhere. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's uh, move on. I'm sure we'll touch on Game of Thrones more before G- the season. Game of Thrones. Season is done. Brianna Forsyth asks, why are you guys recording so late? Haha.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> mm. I mean, I think for <laughs> you tell a, number us. Of, a number of reasons. There are only
3: enough hours in the day.
1: One, I get off usually late. On Mondays, too. Um, Usually, Mondays are days that everyone is here getting work done during the day, uh, except me, because I have work. But um, also, I feel like we kind of don't get to see each other very often, so we kind of, like, try to shoot the the poop. Poop shoot. Okay. Uh, (laughs) 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 We like to shoot the poop for, like, like an hour or two and by the time that we realized like oh hey guys it's hella late we should definitely record that
0: <laughs> yep that so, pretty yeah, much covers the it answer. and then she also asks uh for real what are you guys go to feel good movies that you keep going back to no matter how many times you've seen it secret life of walter Mitty. easy yep
1: wait which what was the question so one more time uh favorite should- feel good movie favorite feel good movie Oh, man. I don't have, like, any feel-good movies. Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. <laughs> Sunshine. I was gonna 12 like, Years of Slave. I was about <laughs> to be like, Big Fish. Nope. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Nope. Hocus Pocus, though. You like Interstellar. Oh, Hocus Pocus, oh, by yeah. far. Dude, Hoc- oh, dude, no. Hook? Hook? Hook. Hook, dude. <laughs> Hook <laughs> and <laughs> doo um, doo How the Grinch Stole Christmas, do. starring Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, dude. Okay. dude yeah. Yeah. I could probably recite that entire script. That <laughs> movie Oh yeah.
3: I've seen that movie so many times. I
1: love that movie. Oh and a Chris, mostly Christmas movies for me. Yeah. Elf. I was gonna say Elf. Elf. Oh, Christmas story. You shoot your eye yeah. out, kid. Home Alone. Home I mean Alone.
2: that's not really a feel good movie, that's more just it is. A fun the comedy. End.
1: Yo, the end? Oh yeah, that Yo. yeah. John Candy is in that movie. Inside Out. I love Inside Out. Out. Anything is, Pixar. Yeah, Dude, anything Inside Pixar. Inside Out is heavy, though. It yeah. is really it's heavy. <laughs> it's, heavy. Dude, it's, it's pretty heavy. heavy. Every
0: Pixar movie is heavy in some way.
1: Dude, yeah. <laughs> that movie's heavy. I can't. Sometimes, yeah. there are some days where I just I cannot Dude, handle a Pixar movie right now. Bing yeah. Bong scene. Oh, I never thought R.I.P. I would cry about a pink elephant that does dolphin cries. Dude, not <laughs> even just that, man. Like, that part... Yeah, I can't talk about it. <laughs> it's I'm good. Too soon. Too, too soon. soon. Too soon. <coughs> All right. So,
0: are you guys familiar with the scrolls in the Marvel universe? Not super familiar. I no we're talking I'm about not. Elder Scrolls. No, not <laughs> that. Like, Elder the, El- <laughs> the Elder
2: Scrolls. Are you Morrowind? with the scrolls? The, the S- Elder Scrolls. S- the Elder Scrolls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're just like, why are you saying scrolls like that? Stupid. Scrolls. So no, so there's a there's a race of aliens called the scrolls, Skrulls. S K R U L L S. Wait, that's not how you spell it.
2: What? Scrolls.
0: Okay, so scroll, scroll. S K R U L L. Scroll, scroll, scroll. God damn it! They're aliens. They're scroll. the scrolls. Yeah.
2: Okay. So we so had a cameo your... with them in uh, the Skrulls. All right. In I'm done with whatever. you. <laughs> <laughs> the, of the galaxy. Yeah. Volume two. So guardians two. Uh they revealed the
0: scroll and the super scroll.
1: There you go. That's what they look like. Oh, YOLO burger. What, like. what it do? He looks like Green Goblin.
0: He does kind of look like
1: Green Goblin. Yeah, they they kind of look Green, Green Goblin Gob, so, dude.
0: So basically the deal with the scrolls are they're basically they're basically like aliens who can shape shift and, oh, and like look like people. I do know about these guys. Yeah, yeah. You've you've definitely heard of them. No, it's, I do it's how, know about it's these guys. It's how Marvel guys. has copped out on a lot of yep. storylines and <laughs> changing characters and or someone dies and like, yeah. oh, they find out they were a clone or they were a scroll the whole time. Oh. So uh Good
4: idea. Ismahawk
0: fan art at Ismahawk fan art uh says or uh, asks, after seeing the scroll concept art for Captain Marvel, do you think there's a Marvel character who has been a scroll the entire time, based in off of their entire behavior. Entire time? Yeah. Based someone off who of their is their behavior? Someone who is an alien who is in the basically in the form of a human.
1: Loki. I don't think so. Probably not. That's the first thing that came to my head, though.
0: So in the, I think it was what s- character is the Black least Widow? Advanced. Black Widow. You think Black Widow might be a scroll? Maybe. I really don't I really don't know who could possibly be a, I don't uh, think so I don't, I don't know scroll. Think anyone. I just, scroll! I thought, thought it was an interesting question to see if anybody
1: Scraw!
0: Scroll.
4: Yeah. scroll! A, scroll!
1: They, usually oh wow Dude it sounds like oh it sounds like it's it sounds like the uh the Soldier 76 move when he tries to melee
4: Scroll <laughs> oh,
2: Okay I like that um, That's fun. I don't think anyone is a scroll just cuz most or all of the characters, main heroes we've seen so far, has had their backstories explained, or like they had a driving, motivating force for them to do their mission. Mm-hmm. The like characters who usually turn out like that in regular storytelling, I guess, modern movie making, you don't explain their backstory, you just explain their motivations, and you don't show their backstory. But we've seen pretty much everyone's backstories so far. If they really want to kick the audience in the pants, they'll make
0: Iron Man a scroll, mm. which has been done in the comics in the past. I don't think so, they
2: would do that in the movie. I, I
0: don't know if they would do that either, but if Robert Downey Jr. is like, hey, I'm sick of making millions and millions and millions of dollars. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired yeah, of cameoing Kevin, in a Kevin movie. Feige
2: is not in the business of pissing people off.
0: <laughs> Have you seen Iron Man 3? There's a lot
2: of people who not stoked about that. True. That wasn't intentional. Intentionally pissing, pe- pe- pissing people off just because like making a character a scroll as a cop-out is different than making a bad movie.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm,
2: like they intended it to be a good movie. Yeah, I'm sure they thought that,
0: that a lot of people would have loved that twist. And for the most part, I think a lot of people were fine with it. But then there were a lot of people who were like, what did you do? <laughs>
2: I mean, there's always going to be the vocal people and then the people who are just, yeah,
0: whatever. You know, that was yeah. a cool movie. Hashtag whatevs. Hashtag whatevs. That's yeah. a cool background. Thanks, man. What is that? It's Bakugo from, from uh, My Hero Academia. You probably can't see this, but here it is. You guys, watch My Hero Academia. If you like superheroes and you like anime, it's both of those,
1: and it's great. Danny likes both of those things, so that's perfect for Danny. Yeah. I agree. Well, it's
0: kind of like the X-Men in anime format. Dang. It's fantastic. Uh yeah. CJ at James Lucy. What'd it do, baby boo? Asks breakfast for dinner or faster for Dawnbreaker? Breakfast
2: for dinner?
1: What? <laughs> what does that mean, CJ? Faster for <laughs> Dawnbreaker. I don't understand what that means. I'm trying to, like, break it down on my skull. Same. My scroll. Scroll! Breakfast scroll. for dinner scroll. all the time. Bre- well, uh,
2: breakfast for any meal. Breakfast
1: all the time. Yeah. Breakfast FDWs. Dude, dude, breakfast is bomb. I haven't had real breakfast in, like, two months. Damn, man. Well, but what
2: about second breakfast or luncheon? I don't think he knows about
0: second breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Brecfium for a dream. Why? Would you ever want to do a off. Ninja Turtles fan film or minute matchup? Asks NightFlash217. Hell yeah. If we had the budget... Right? Yeah.
3: In a perfect world, yes, we would have already done it. <laughs> yeah. So
0: yeah totally, budget. But to be fair, we've talked about Ninja Turtles in the past. Oh but yeah. Like, we're just we, like
1: we can't do that. We're just
2: like I don't, do we I don't, do we get guys in suits, no. or do we do them do we
1: do CG? It. What do we do? How do it's we do tricky, it? Guys. CG, but make the CG look like guys. In dude, suits. that's what. <laughs> I wanna I wanna talk about that for a second, dude, because everybody hates on the way that the Ninja Turtles look. In 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 the new Ninja Turtles series, I freaking like it, man. Me too, like, dude. I like, really it. I don't understand it. why. What's everybody's qualms with it? Look like some steroids, man. Like, I
2: think it's just the face. If the facial features are a little more friendly at, or closer to the cartoon, I think everything would be fine. Mm-hmm. Agree.
1: No, I totally understand where you are coming from. But it's like they're too human looking. They're too human.
2: They're too human. And I like their look. It's grown on me. But for, like yeah. at this point. If we were to do it, I think the CG would still... like You'd still have the realism and the overall body design, but just change the face and the eyes a bit. I would not do a Ninja Turtle
0: movie the way that they've done Ninja Turtles movies in the past. How like, would you do a Ninja Turtle movie? How would I do a Ninja Turtles movie? I would make it dark while still, be, still being inviting for younger viewers. Dark, but not ultra-violent. It would focus on the Ninja Turtles, not on April, not on any other character. The humans would be side characters. The Ninja Turtles would be the main characters. Yeah. Pull a plan of the apes on them. Yeah, it would be, and it also would be a more serious story that's taken more seriously. And, uh, but still like, uh, uh, like Captain America Civil War, if you're looking for tone, like a movie that has dark elements to it but is still fun and friendly mm-hmm. and has super intense dope ass action mm-hmm. yeah. um, I would make it up for a PG-13 if I could get rated R I think I would I would make a, like,
3: the OG comics were pretty mature the yeah. OG
0: comics were mature as hell yeah they were super most violent. comics were pretty
2: mature Tell dude
0: and I think it and one of the <laughs> comics comics
2: for kids and so are video games
0: and one of the issues of Ninja Turtles Donatello dies
2: yeah he yeah.
0: dies. Yeah. They yeah. killed him. Yeah, they killed Donatello. They I remember, killed the Ninja I remember the up Would you yeah, do that so. in the movie? Uh, I wouldn't kill Donatello. I wouldn't kill any of them.
3: Donatello. If you,
1: Donatello. Had, a, if you because, had
3: a trilogy, like, would you? Would you like end it with? Like, would you have a, like
0: one complete trilogy arc? See, the fanboy in me is like, you can't kill Donatello, but the filmmaker the in Thrones me is like, you. people wouldn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. People, what if See, it mine, wasn't Donatello? Mind is telling what you know, if it was someone else? is telling you, yeah. I would introduce other characters, and I think I'd kill them off for sure. Like, what, we kill off Casey Jones? I would kill off Casey Jones. I'd hella yeah. kill Casey Jones. His, die, his death would be a glorious
1: one. Oh, right.
3: yes. absolutely.:
0: pooply
1: I'll play Casey.
3: And, uh... You'd kill it.
0: You'd kill it. Yeah. Yeah, we'd kill you. No, I'd... we would not... <laughs>
2: So, if we were going to make a Ninja Turtles fan film...
0: Dude,
4: I'm
2: already looking into, like, motion capture and and virtual camera operation and stuff like that, so... Like, what if we what if we used... What if we made costumes? Not
0: made... I mean, obviously, we had budget. We made, like, real costumes, but then we enhanced them with CGI.
1: I think that's so, like, the best way to do it. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it was... It's guys in suits, but... Two brothers. We have, like... We... Animate the faces, we clean yeah. up the seams, all that stuff is in CG. So it still look. they look more organic, but right. they mm-hmm. still, it's I'd still real. Suits,
2: I'd have suits on set. The way I would do it is with the realistic textures, but the active mocap IR mo-cap. sensors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still have full CG characters. Just It's just there for reference, the dude, suit you on totally set. Totally
1: Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Totally I mean, Planet of the Apes. Like, dude,
2: yeah. And, The Ninja Turtles are the main characters. No human lead characters. Humans are the side characters. Like, War of the Planet of the Apes, maybe if it was a trilogy, we could start out with a human lead, but I wouldn't want to, Mm -mm. and eventually replace it with, you know, the Ninja Turtles as the leads. Because, dude, like, do you realize War for the Planet of the Apes is the most recent movie in... Modern and recent blockbusters where it wasn't a human lead.
1: Yeah, that was also Dawn, wasn't it? Mm, well, there was no. kind
2: of a human lead in Dawn. I mean, no, it, the human. Yeah, there's definitely a human lead in Dawn, but they so decided war, to war just for go the straight, of the straight up is straight straight up just Caesar Caesar. As, yeah, as Whoa. the lead, no
0: other human.
4: Yeah, hero. I haven't character. seen it yet.
2: Like, I just see Dunker first. Sorry, Sian. yeah. <laughs> um... With the Ninja Turtles, they definitely need to be the leads. No, like totally. following Casey Jones as the lead, and then have and the Raphael's got to be the main character. Oh, I was just yeah. gonna
3: ask you, which character would you follow? Raphael.
2: The Raphael's the most dynamic character out of
0: all of them. Every single one of them is one-dimensional. Besides Raphael, Raphael's got he's got demons that he needs to work out. He needs to figure out. He needs to understand his place in the team. He wants to be a leader, but he's too hot-headed. Like he's got an arc. Leonardo, he's the leader. He's, he's a, like that character knows what he wants to do and he knows who he is. Mm-hmm. And his conflict comes in butting heads with Raphael because they're both sort of the most physically mm-hmm. adept and dominating for, uh, or, uh, and uh, sort of like clashing for power. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I think his growth or Raphael's growth would be him coming to that realization and growing personally himself. Mm-hmm. And then Donatello, no, not Donatello. Leonardo. Leonardo, his character arc and his growth would be his realization in his conflict, resolving the conflict between him and Raphael. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: And him embracing the leadership position now, the, and Raphael supporting Leo in the totally. leadership
2: position. The way they did it in Young Justice Season 2, mm-hmm. which you haven't seen, the dichotomy between Nightwing and Aqualad is brilliant. Oh, yeah. Brilliantly Super good. done. Super good. Well, spoiler for you. I mean, uh, um,
3: all that's been spoiled
2: for me. Yeah, R- I know. Thanks. Robin was the lead on the team, and he was always thinking, "Oh, I'm the lead. You know, I, I need to be the leader. Need to step up for everyone." But he wasn't fit for the job in season one. Mm-hmm. And as the season went on, Aqualad took the job, and even though he didn't want to, so he said
0: he would keep it warm for Robin while yeah until Robin was ready to take it from
2: him. And the way that that arc played out was brilliant. And it's a kid's show.
1: Kid's show. Dude, that, oh my God. Oh, dude, so good.
0: I think so good. the best way to accomplish a Ninja Turtles movie is to make sure that the turtles are the focal point and yeah. make sure that we focus on the four of them each right. having an arc. Yeah. Like, Michelangelo. What if Mikey got killed, dude, not Donnie? like, okay.
3: Huh. Mikey's, like, not the fan favorite, but he's, like, the most innocent one, I yeah. guess you could yeah. say.
2: Yeah, um, I was going to say, like how Jon Snow just got thrown in the leadership position, right. even though he didn't want it. Yeah. And he's he literally Came just trying him. his best with what he's given right yeah. now, what's on his plate. I'm just trying to do this, dude. That's how Leo should be for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, every
0: character needs to have their own arc. I think Mikey starts off immature and understands the importance and the value of like, taking things a little bit more seriously. He can still have fun with it, but he, like, that's his arc. Mm-hmm. Donatello's arc is maybe Donatello is arrogant. Maybe he's so smart that he thinks that he's smarter than the rest of the characters, the, than than his brothers. Mm-hmm. And that has caused Donatello to to make mistakes because he's not working as a team player either. I mean, maybe not entirely because that's very much... Raph's arc, but, like, maybe his, maybe his, his, his intelligence, like, what makes these characters who they are, maybe they need to learn how to, because you can't just be
2: silly and love pizza. Yeah, so what if Donatello, thinking he's so smart, he's a little jaded at times, Mm -hmm. pretty grounded and... Mikey is the one who's like happy and fun and tries to bring up the team and he gets mad at him for like, they butt heads just because they're so different emotionally. Most Mm -hmm. of the time, their personalities are just different. And through that journey, somehow like if Mikey dies, that would help him realize, Oh shit, maybe I am like, I shouldn't be this way all the time. Like the point of their existence and this can also be another theme with them like struggling with why they exist or why they are the way they are in this human's world. Uh, figure out or realize that it's not just about what you know, it's how you, like what you do with it mm-hmm. and how you live your life. How you live with your brothers and enjoy yeah, exactly. life. Yeah, and Your responsibility
0: to yeah. other people around you. It could be interesting because we could also have like every one of the turtles should have a different relationship with their brothers. Yeah. So like, I think Donnie and Leo would probably get along the best. Yeah. They would get along and they would be they would communicate well with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like Mikey and Raph would communicate a little bit better than let's say Raph and Leo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then maybe Raph kind of almost talks down to. Donnie, because Donnie is a nerd, Mm -hmm. in his opinion. You know
2: what? I was just watching a video from Lessons from the Screenplay on Inside Out, and the the dichotomy and the foil of how you can show a character's growth, like the main character's growth, through the other people's personalities. Mm -hmm. And the character, if you guys don't know, Inside Out explores different emotions inside a kid's brain. So the main character is joy, and each emotion has their own character and joy is always happy like everyone is their character or their emotion basically and joy is always happy and she's always trying to make things fun and uplifting and positive right but as pete Doctor, the director was exploring you know who he should pair it up with and how he can show what challenges joy has um, he realized he wanted to explore fear. like they. He wanted joy and fear to be the ones who are paired together and going through their journey. But then when they got to the storyboard, they were like, uh, but what am I going to do with fear? I don't know where to go with this. Because the reason he chose fear in the first place was because when he was a kid, he was always afraid of everything. And he was shy and not outgoing at all. So he wanted to explore fear. But then after a while of like being stressed out and struggling with trying to figure out where this movie is going to go, took a walk in the woods and started asking tough questions. And he was like, you know what? Maybe it's not about joy and fear together. Maybe you need to explore sadness because you need sadness to know what joy is. Mm-hmm. All and opposites. Yeah. yeah. And so the way that he ripped <laughs> or figured out what Joy's character is like, he started asking questions about why Joy acts the way she does. Even though it's just one emotion, Joy... And the way that he kind of pushed that point forward was give her a defense mechanism. Like, whenever something goes wrong, whenever she's super stressed, what's her reaction? Try and make everything happy. And sometimes that doesn't work, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you guys know in real life that doesn't always work. You can't just force happiness into everything. And so, through, especially the scene with Bing Bong, when Bing Bong lost his rocket down into the chasm, the memory dump... He was very sad and depressed, and Joy was trying to get him to be like forcing happiness into him, like, oh, like, that sucks, but we got to get going, you know, get to the mission. So, Joy and Sadness both had a mission. They needed to get to the, the train, right? Bing Bong was the only person who knew where the train was, where the train station was. So, this was a, g- an, a super important scene to show how two different characters with two different perspectives make their own choices. Joy was trying to force happiness. And try to, you know, kind of like telling Bing Bong to cheer up. You don't just do that. Mm -hmm. But Sadness' approach, her approach was to sit down and just listen to him and, you know, empathize with him. Let him cry it out for a sec. Mm -hmm. And then he was fine. And they left. And that showed joy. You know what? Maybe my belief system was not what I thought it was. And that's the important thing. At the beginning of the movie, you need to have the audience sympathize with the main character and believe in their belief system so that when it comes to a point where you need to show character growth, people, the audience who had believed in the main character's belief system start questioning their own belief system and be like, you know what, maybe this isn't right. Maybe sadness is right in her approach. Mm -hmm. So with Raphael and Donatello, if Raph is going to be the main character, we should solidify his belief system with the audience and have them... Follow his point of view first and have a situation where, okay, his belief system works for him here. And so we start believing ourselves and associating our belief system with his. So when the moment comes, when Donatello and Raphael, no, Leon, butt yeah. uh, buttheads, and they get to a situation where they both have the same goal, but they both approach it a different way. Raph needs to fail in that regard mm-hmm. and have Leo succeed in his way to show Raph...
3: Wait, have the audience question there? Yeah,
2: exactly. Like, uh, have the audience grow and realize the same thing that Raph is realizing in that moment, too.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we need to watch Leo fail later on and watch what Raph does. Raph learned from his own mistake exactly, and then was able to basically able to overcome his own, whatever his, his own... biggest obstacle. Obstacle. End of act two. Mm-hmm. And, and this is in act three. He overcomes that yeah. obstacle and saves the day. Because we're watching things from Raph's perspective. Yeah. So in act two, he needs to fail. Yeah. And then Leo needs to succeed, but they need to fail together. They all need to fail together. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because the turtles are, are a unit. Yep. And mm-hmm. if one of them fails, if they don't work as a team, then they will fail. Like... Ninja Turtles should feel like an Avengers movie or Guardians of the Galaxy. Not like as like them coming together for the first time, but in in their teamwork and them coming together Mm -hmm. and fighting a common enemy. And if they don't work together, if the brothers don't work together, then they will indefinitely So I think
2: whatever it is Raph and Leo's obstacle is, it should be a common enemy, physical enemy Mm -hmm. and approach, or mindset-wise. But Mikey's character arc should be an emotional one Mm -hmm. even if it's just a small one like on the side Mm -hmm. a small emotional arc that is connected to both to all of the the rest of the ninja turtles yeah so that his death will mean something to us as an audience when we realize oh shit uh raf failed this like we're following his perspective so if he failed this mission in at the end of act two and he realized it's not wrong maybe that failure leads to mikey's death Dang. Damn,
0: And, and we
4: need so to make as sure, a
2: team, yeah, they have to like pull together yeah. and realize. And the,
0: all the characters need to be, we need to make sure that every single one of them is likable in their own way, mm-hmm. even if they butt heads with each other. We want our audience to be completely split on who yeah. they think is right. Mm-hmm. There should be people who think Raph is right and people who think Leo's right and people who think Mikey's right and people who think Donnie's right. And they all like... That's the beauty of it, is that it's not black and white, it's gray. You can't... It's always gray. It's got to be
4: gray.
2: Here's the thing. Do you want all of the characters to be super likable right off the bat? Because that doesn't create any kind of conflict. So, okay, so real quick, on the same video when explaining uh, the structure of Inside Out, when Pete Doctor and his creative team was first brainstorming Inside Out, the whole movie and the arc they made joy the complete opposite of her emotion joy who's controlling riley the kids uh joy happy emotion joy was actually really vengeful and resentful and angry a lot of time to kind of like play the opposite of what her actual emotion is and everyone else is also the opposite of their own emotion but then she just came off as mean and annoying So, to remedy that, they stuck with her actual emotion, joy, and just happy all the time, and in turn made sadness as annoying as they can make her, so that the audience can follow, can sympathize with joy first, and then, through the journey, start sympathizing with sadness.
0: I don't think that that's the right way to tell this story. Mm. That's the right way to tell the story with a main character and a supporting character, but this is, when you're dealing with with Ninja Turtles... You're dealing with four characters who all need to be relatively likable. And that's like, I would throw it to like Guardians of the Galaxy, where all four, all the, all five of the Guardians are likable, even if they didn't. In their own way. In their own way. Yeah. There's like, yeah, they're all flawed. And like, you're like, oh, fuck, stop that. Stop, stop doing what you're doing uh, and start playing nice with others, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I think, uh, that's how I think it should be here, where, you know, uh, your Raphael is kind of like Rocket, misunderstood. And we can see that he's misunderstood. You can see that this character is in pain, yeah. even if he's angry. So, like, the inside-out approach, I think, is an excellent approach when creating... For that story. For that story. But for this story, I don't even think Guardians is, is a good example, because they're not brothers, <laughs> you know? True. they yeah. like, brothers? I mean, I've got a brother, and I'm very close with my brother. So... I think everybody here has brothers in this table. Yeah. Two brothers. So, two brothers. So Two brothers. Like, two brothers. I imagine how me and my brother's relationship is. And me and my brother, like, growing up, we didn't always get along. We fought all the time growing up. But at the end of the day, we always had each other's backs. No one messed with my brother and mm-hmm. no one messed with me because of my brother. Like, we always had each other's backs. And uh, and that is how I would write this story. Totally. That's how mm-hmm. I like, would I would personally. want yeah. to
3: see Leo and Raph like butting heads, like about not maybe yeah. not even about to fight, but like they are in direct conflict with each other. And then like the Foot Clan show up and then they like Yeah. They like start facing off against other people because they really cause they're on the same yeah. team. They just oh, they're yeah. just having disagreements right now.
0: Leo gets hurt or he, Leo yeah. gets knocked out or Leo gets captured. And then that's when Raphael you see that Raphael's yeah. like nobody touches my brother Mm -hmm. and like just starts wrecking fools like nobody hits my brother except Except for me me. yeah and and that's when and that's when you see it like that's what i want i want to see brothers fighting for one another i want to see brothers fighting each other so with love (laughs) with love that's what i want that's the kind of movie i would make
2: So what question are you trying to answer? Because you just drew on your own personal experience to imbue into this writing process for this movie. Yeah. So there's an age-old kind of like saying in the film industry or in any kind of story-making, storytelling, is you write what you know. Yeah, of course. But people are starting to question that saying, saying you should, like, if you write what you know, then everyone's going to write, Like, there's no growth, no personal growth in you doing this. Um, So I think at least it from every frame of painting or uh, lessons from the screenplay, he suggested the question should be, or the saying should be, write what you want to know. So instead of writing, like, for example, you know your relationship with your brother, and that's the kind of movie that you want, want to write with these brothers in... Nin- in the Ninja Turtles. Sure. So if you take a step back, what, if something changes, what, do you, what questions do you start asking about your relationship with your brother and See, then start trying to answer that? I don't exactly look at it
0: that way for me personally. The way that I look at it is that, that, first of all, me and my brother have multiple different facets of our relationship. Sometimes we're like Mikey and Donnie. Sometimes we're like Raph and Leo. Sometimes we're like Donnie and, Donnie and Leo. Sometimes we're like Donnie and Raph. Like we are... That, that is kind of the interesting thing about this story is that, is that I feel like I'm taking from my own experiences, but it's not as simple as just that because I'm not a giant mutant turtle. <laughs> and, like, there are different challenges that would be different challenges that would be there. But also, at the same time, we literally came up with this concept during the podcast. This has yeah. not been talked <laughs> about beforehand. Yeah. So if you're asking me to create a cohesive Ninja Turtles movie... No, this well, is crazy. These are the 15 minutes? <laughs> these are the questions
2: you should be answering, and this is the thought process. You don't know the answers, Sway. You don't know the answers. You right, ain't sorry. got the answers. How? Anyway, how? no, this is important because you guys out there who are budding filmmakers, this is what the process should be like. Yeah. You should be asking questions and... Exploring things, I guess. I think stories,
0: you know, like that's great for for personal growth and all that. And I think that that is important questions that you should ask. But also, writing what you know
2: allows you to put a level of
0: passion, no, yes, you and do emotion.
1: Write what you know, so you I've, still
2: write what you know, but you need to
1: ask questions about I have what you know. to say. So as of now, I'm working on like novels that I would like to. Release throughout my lifetime. Mm -hmm. One is about the job that I've had for the last three years and the culture and the incredibleness that it is. That but it would be almost like West Wing meets the Social Network, combined into one, or like the West Wing or the Newsroom meets the the Social Network. So like a show, writing style. So Aaron Sorkin, uh, yeah, Aaron Sorkin, fast paced, really fun, really cool, really quick cuts, awesome. Awesome dialogue. Everyone's speaking very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then I also have like a passion project that's like almost like Forrest Gump in a way, but not as fictional, not as fictional, like based off of actual true events that's happened based on my uncle. So, but then I also have another one that I'm, I'm writing about, um, a, an elite um, team of of, uh, like Marines uh, have been sent out by the CIA um, for a ghost project that they need to get into and infiltrate this cartel. But something happens. Someone goes rogue and they have to jump into this ranch. And uh, this young white man gets acquainted to this really awesome uh, Mexican older gentleman who saves his life and is thrusted into this amazing culture and somehow becomes this... Surrogate son to this, this Mexican, uh, this Mexican rancher, who turns out to be the guy who is going against, he's like his own like personal police, like th- like the citizens' police going against the cartel, and he falls in love with this culture, and he then becomes like this really cool guy that tries to save th- this family who's getting now terrorized by the cartel. So, whoa, I have no idea where that came from. But I also know where, like, my uncle's story comes from. So it's like, I, st- I kind of... You're trying both. Yeah. So, like, I understand where, like, I know, like, know, write what you know comes from. Mm-hmm. But I also think there there comes a time where you come across something in your head as a, a creator mm-hmm. that you have to create, regardless of if you know it. Yeah. And I don't know well, if that's it's going to... grow. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Like, if I release this novel in the next five years, people were, and people are like, oh, man, that first novel came out? Dope. This one? Hated it. Hated that. <laughs> don't do that again. See, so,
2: there's a difference between creating a world for your for your story and establishing it in a way where you don't know what's going to happen, or it's just a brand new universe that has never existed before. Like Lord of the Rings, for example. Mm-hmm. That world, or Middle Earth, it just existed, but like not in the way that Tolkien wrote it. When he wrote the relationship between these characters, he needs to base it on something he knows so that the audience can connect to it, you know? In my story development class uh,
0: back in college, one of the things we had to do was we had to go up in a class. No one was allowed to film anything that was going on. No one was actually even allowed to talk about anything that happened in this class Uh, because what happened in this class was we went up in front of the class and we told our deepest, darkest, most fucked up secrets ever. Yeah. And we told them to each other in story format. And we told stories to one another. I other. also took that class. It's it's hardcore, isn't it? It's hardcore. Did you take it with May? Who was your teacher? Uh, Clarence. Oh, okay. Hilliard. Yeah, I had yeah. Uh, I had Mark May, which is why he's, to this day, mm-hmm. my favorite professor. Like, this guy's so hardcore. He Thanks. knows what he's talking about. And, like, everything I know about story and story structure is because of this dude. And uh, I credit him with a lot of, like, a lot of the education I had was from listening to this man. So he was talking about reaching, like, your emotional core and stuff like that. And at the base of of every story is our own, like, emotion and humanity. He He always said, one thing that he always said was, we don't make motion pictures, we make emotion pictures. And if you're not telling a story that is charged by some form of emotion... Then your story isn't gonna isn't gonna sell. It's not gonna land. It's not gonna resonate with people. And like one of the the new project that we wrote, uh, that we're gonna be shooting in in a few weeks, I wrote that for my mom. Mm -hmm. Like that was a super important plot point that I wanted to include in the story, because the nature of the story is like unlike anything that actually happens in my life mm-hmm. or in the real world, but the concept of what happens the is The emotional something... connection uh, should
2: still be familiar. Yeah, the
0: emotional connection is, is... I mean, if you guys read that story, it's like yeah. it's, it's my personality just kind
2: of yeah. splattered on this world. So You know what? It's something, and it's not just us spewing this information out. This is how stories are told for anyone. If you take any major action blockbuster movie... What are the common things that you're going to see among all of them? Something about family, something about relationships, something achieving your dreams, love, like, sex, survival. Yeah, love, sex and survival. All of them, three imp- like the basic needs of everyone. Sort of the pillars of story development, yeah. pillars of like because your character's needs. Because that's something everyone can connect to. Mm-hmm. Big action blockbusters—they don't have a lot of time to have a lot of story development, character development. Like they want an action blockbuster, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of big set piece moments and action scenes. But there's still a plot, like what, however simple it is, there's still some kind of plot. There's a start and an end, and there's always one thing that's common among all of them. It's like either a relationship or something with family, you know, love, sex, and survival. Yeah, that's the because if everyone you, we're can all three to of it. them. Yeah. Well, the,
0: that, that's at the core of humanity. And again, this is taught in film school. Yeah. The core of humanity or even any sort of primal being, any sort of living being on this planet is driven by three key emotions, love, sex, or survival. And then there are subcategories that go through love, sex, and survival. Yeah. So like, what is your character in pursuit of? What are they fighting for? What are they fighting against? Is it to fight for their own survival? Is it to fight for the love of their family or the love of, of uh, someone they want to be in a relationship with? Or sex, I mean, just as simple as, as sex. Yeah.
1: So it's, a, it's super, super... That's one of the things that they teach you as an actor. Yeah, storytelling. What's 101, your intention? Ismahawk style. What's your intention? <laughs> should
0: we a- should we answer another question? We got we got lost in the weeds on that ninja yeah. Yeah.
1: question. <laughs> well,
0: let's, well let's it's, it's an important one. question. I actually don't know if this is a joke question uh, or if it's actually serious. But Joe Balls one eight seven asks,
2: "How do you know what to do?" No punctuation. Step one: Have I done this before? And then that breaks out from there. If I haven't done it before. Google it.
1: I look at myself if in, I the haven't, face in the face in If mirror. I have done it before, what did I do wrong? Can I fix it? There you go. So, okay. I was going to do the Dwight Schrute monologue from The Office where he's like- Bears beats Battlestar Galactic. No, he's like, he's like I, would, I look myself in the mirror every single day and I ask myself, would a dumb person do this? <laughs> 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 and if the answer is yes, I don't do that thing. <laughs> That's solid.
4: Better <laughs> that's than like mine. For a, that's like solid advice. That office. is
1: solid logic. Like yep. Would a dumb person I mean, do this? Before I do anything ever, I ask myself <laughs> one question Would a dumb person do this thing? And if it, the answer to the question is yes, I do not do that thing.
3: <laughs> All right. Uh, John Gonzalez on Face of the Book. That's a very important question. Can you feel it, Mr. Krabs?
2: I feel I'm, it now, Mr. Krabs. I'm feeling it
3: now, Mr. Krabs. <sighs> Tony. Can you answer this question for us, please? He's asking all of us, not just three of us. All right. Dead air. Let not it be on air. record that Tony
1: refused to answer your question, John Gonzalez. Let <laughs> <Not> the, <record,
4: laughs> the record show, Your you Honor. that handle the truth. That
1: the, that the witness is refusing to answer my question.
4: <laughs> oh,
1: Let's see. In a different life, I was a lawyer. In a okay. different life, okay. I was a lawyer. I wish I could have seen
0: that life. Uh, Geronimo. Like very much. <laughs> That's a dope name. It is. What's his name? Geronimo. 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 I it's could be dope, pronouncing
3: dude. it wrong, but it's, it's. I apologize if I do. Uh, what about Dunkirk? Any thoughts on the new film of Nolan? Hashtag in Nolan we Man, trust? We just
2: had a whole conversation on
3: Dunkirk just yesterday. Yep. No, it was probably earlier today, wasn't it? Or no, it was yesterday. Yeah, what is about Ru-
0: We've been talking about Dunkirk pretty consistently, yeah. consistently since we all watched it. Sure. Yeah.
1: Wait, when did you see it?
0: Yesterday. Yesterday? No, we saw it yesterday. Uh-huh,
3: uh-huh. All my seem so hard. What'd you
0: think, Tony? What'd you think of Dunkelk? Oh, Dunkelk. Uh, wow! To um,
2: preface, you are a World War II facts enthusiast.
1: This is, I, you know, I actually said it to a. Um, I was talking at. I was talking at. I was talking at someone. <laughs> I was talking at somebody. I was talking, at, I was
0: talking I was, at someone. They were just standing there, and they did not
1: really. They were standing there, me. and they were crying. <laughs> All right, so, great start to the story. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was at work, and a, uh, I was talking to someone about this specific subject, and I said, I really enjoyed the fact that we got to see a side of World War II that is kind of lost on our society and culture, mm-hmm. um, and that is the British side. For whatever reason, um, the, the Brits are like this anchor This anchor that kept like Western civilization afloat, yeah. Like they they really did, and I feel like everybody likes to say, "Oh, the Americans saved the war, guys." We did not save the war. (laughs) We didn't do it. It was the Russians and it was the Brits. That's who it was because they just were straight up like, "Well, if we don't win, everyone's gonna die, (laughs) everyone." So we have to win. And people are like, "Well, how are we gonna do it?" I don't know. We're gonna do it though, because <laughs> I don't want to die. Because I don't want to <laughs> die. Yeah, because I'm yeah, because I'm scared. You think Dunkirk showed that well, and, and that they showed the British side of it? Because for whatever reason, um, there just hasn't been a lot of the. I, I guess that I'm trying to I'm trying to explain this well. They haven't. We haven't seen that side of World War II. We've always we've seen the German side. We've seen the Russian side. We've seen the American. The, and, and how, we've, how the American civil uh, society felt about our boys having to go overseas and fight these crazy people. But we never, we never got to see something like Dunkirk from a British point of view. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very – there was a lot of very interesting scenes that were – it's like you see a scene where they they're actually they come back and they finally get out of Dunkirk. It's like, oh, yeah, you see that guy? He wouldn't even look us in the face. And it's like, no, man he's a world war one veteran and he's blind and he's sitting there giving you blankets and they asked him what are you talking
0: alert for dunkirk
1: i mean they all lived. just for
0: the record spoiler alert for dunkirk
1: most of them lived just heads up
0: a lot of them died hey
1: yeah just
0: you don't want to spoil it for them some people don't
1: know the history behind it okay look it up um so (laughs) i can't remember what i was gonna say You were saying that... uh, Oh, no, it's not important. The British side. Um, Yeah, no, I I enjoyed. That was something that I really enjoyed. I think it was a very stressful movie Mm -hmm. overall. Um, Quite tense. Yeah. I mean, any war movie is stressful. I I still (laughs) think that Interstellar takes the cake for Nolan's most stressful films (laughs) by far. Nah, not by far, but by a good amount. That was very stressful. I'm not a big fan of space. (laughs) That's just me. I would never want to be out there. I'm good. I'll stay here. Um, you've been there once that's fine <laughs> yeah I've been there once uh, been there done that been not there, for me done that <laughs> not for me good I'll pass um, but yeah no I enjoyed it mostly yeah. mostly enjoyed it there were a lot of scenes where I was like man this is dark woo yeah some heavy moments I in liked there. how Nolan didn't have to, he didn't try to outwardly he didn't like to outwardly position anything with dialogue he tried to show
3: yeah very visceral.
1: Yeah, and it was, it was... Nolan is like a master at that. So I'm just trying to get there. Yeah. Trying to Those get... practical becoming, effects, yeah. though. Yeah. See, I, I like that there wasn't a lot of dialogue. You
2: just saw, you, like you showed instead of told, mm-hmm. which is fine. That's, it's just a different kind of movie. Um, totally. I personally felt at least the first act was a little incomplete. and
1: I understand te- where you're coming like, from.
2: Technically, technically incomplete. There wasn't things – my suspension of disbelief was broken, basically, because if you – at the beginning of the movie, uh, what's his name, was running through or walking through the streets with his his squad, and then mm-hmm. all of them got gunned down, and he was booking it, right? But no one made a sound. No one said anything, and he didn't seem like he was just scared out of his mind. It was just like – which. Granted, if you were trying to show the side of war where they like these boys have been in the war for a while now, and this is just another day, and they're like, you know, if if you die, you die, you know? And, like, I've accepted my fate, and now we're just waiting to go home, you know? But if you wanted to tell the story that way, you needed to show what happened beforehand, or, like, how they were before. Like, it wasn't always like this. You know, they were actually scared for a bit, but then eventually they just got
1: kind of used to this war around them. Mm. I wonder. I wonder if he. Also, I wonder if he shot anything and just didn't.
2: I'm sure there was plenty of footage that they used. It's just the shortest notice. movie.
1: Yeah, Which, There was a one take that I was waiting for that they released as like a teaser. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And the that one was with Tom Hardy and his he, engine. No, no, it wasn't that one. It was with James McAvoy. There was a James McAvoy one take. Yeah. And it was sensational. It was in the movie? James McAvoy was in Dunkirk. I, I thought I thought this was a one take for Dunkirk. I'm pre, I'm almost certain that it was. It wasn't like Trainspotting Two or something. No, no, this was this was World War. This is World. This is a World War Two film. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so they were on Dunkirk. Huh. I thought I, I maybe it was. I got mixed up with a different
2: film. So another aspect that I thought was incomplete was the sound design on the beach in Act One, where you see the German bombers flying overhead, and everyone just kind of looks up and ducks down. You're telling me 400,000 people on the beach didn't make a single sound? Like, no one in the distance was shouting out, enemy bombs or enemy planes, you know, shouting in the distance, letting everyone know. And when bombs were being dropped on them, like fish in a barrel, they didn't, like, make any sounds when they were hit. Like, no voices. And it wasn't a thing where... They were shell-shocked, so the audience's perspective kind of in Saving Private Ryan where you couldn't mm-hmm. hear anything because the bomb blew next to you. But It was in third. Yeah, there should have been some kind of... But yeah, there was sound design. You can hear their clothes rustling. You can hear their guns you know, and their helmets moving around and stuff. There's Foley sound design in it, but no one made a single noise. Hmm. Do you think so that's ch- why, to me, it felt incomplete.
1: Do you think that he tried to do that to play it up later on? You see what I'm saying? Like he tried to keep it calm in the beginning and play up the stress. But
2: he threw us right into the middle of right. the war. Of course. And it's stressful. And that's the tricky
1: part about war films. Yeah. How do you lead like, up you need, to something?
2: If you wanted like I totally get the fact that if you want to have silence have an impact, you need to have loudness. Like you need to have your mountains to experience your valleys. You need peaks. No, yeah, and dips, I totally agree. You know? I think, but I th- there, there was only a dip. That yeah, you jumped. Well, there was just one. Well, yeah, it... this is what it did. I will say though, the sound design for all of the German bombers was insane. Yeah, like was. anytime they were flying in, you just
1: it's roaring in your ears, and you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. Oh yeah, no, they use well, they use different kinds of engines, and it was scary. <laughs> yeah, the German, the Luftwaffe was terrifying. Yeah, yep, they were terrifying. Yep. That Tank so the Fury. Savazine, Oh yeah, that too.
2: See, I liked, just as, just so you know, I liked the movie. It was definitely a very auteur movie and it's a different kind of filmmaking, so if you guys don't know that going into it, now you know.
1: Yeah, no, heads up guys, this is this it's a different of kind a f- of movie. Yeah, it reminded me of a French film. That's what it reminded me of, like a French indie yeah, film. Yeah. French expressionism. Yeah, that's, that's what it reminded me of. That's why I think That's why I wasn't surprised. Like, cause I went into this knowing that this was going to look a certain way. And if for whatever reason, in the back of my mind, I was thinking that if this turns out to be like Nolan right out of college, then I'm going to be okay with it. Because like, have you ever seen the following? Mm -hmm. The following is very auteur. Like, you're just like, what is happening? I haven't seen the following. It's very interesting. Have you seen Memento? Yes. Is that auteur? No. It is to a certain degree. I think, the way that it's, it's more auteur than Batman. It is. Well, yeah, but not visually. I don't want to say it's not good visually, but like I think, like on a on a level of the way that it's it's built, like at like cut, mm-hmm. totally auteur. Like no one had ever seen anything like it before. Yeah. But this was shot like a French film. This was shot like it was different like this is weird like why is there so much open space in this shot right where you you don't want open space unless you're trying to make them look small right like so with memento everything was very personal it wasn't it wasn't auteur in the sense of like what am i looking at right now (laughs) like what is happening memento was i don't think memento was an auteur movie at all i don't it was more like i feel like i feel like it was. I only say auteur because no one had ever seen anything like that before. Yeah. It was b- groundbreaking. But this is
2: definitely Chris Nolan's most auteur film oh, yeah. today. You can tell there was a lot of passion behind this movie. Yeah, and that he was trying a lot of different things and mm-hmm. stepping outside of his comfort zone. Tell you what, cool. I want to shoot an aerial fighter jet scene.
1: Yeah, Dude, I want to shoot all, yeah, one. Yeah, all bad. Of the aerial scenes were. Dope. Yeah, I don't that's that some of the crazy. best aerial scenes I've, I think I've ever seen. Same. It
0: felt real and so and it was intense because you're like
2: Is it gonna hit him? Yeah, almost all practical. They flew with million dollar IMAX cameras strapped to these planes. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah that oh. is, that's why that even, is even in the reckless. cockpit shots, even in the cockpit shots with Tom oh. Hardy flying the plane, like they didn't that they didn't need to do that practice. You could have just done it on a green screen, but they actually flew, and you can see that they actually did fly because, like, the camera yeah. was shaking up and down a that micro-vibration. Shake. was He He this wasn't stuff? flying that plane, was he? No, Not that full. wasn't, like,
0: the backseat. <laughs> there was crazy. an actual pilot flying. That'd be tight.
3: Dude, he, he had... Dude, yeah.
0: <laughs> what is So, Noel, what did you think?
3: It was my least favorite Christopher Nolan film. Uh, I still liked it because there was a lot of really... Like, there's a lot of moments that stand out to me because I was like, like, very few movies have been as silent and as stressful as that movie for me. Like it definitely
2: in silence. Yes.
3: And like it definitely was effective. It just wasn't it just wasn't my kind of movie, I guess.
1: I I've also
3: like slowly started realizing that I don't love war movies as much as I used to. (laughs) But I still like the war movies that I did like. But as war movies are coming out, I'm just like, I don't know if I'm interested in seeing them anymore because Have they changed? They haven't changed and that's why.
1: Hmm. Have you seen Band of Brothers?
3: Hmm.
2: I like no. Yeah. So like you're I saying said, the way war movies are made and structured now, and the stories that they tell haven't changed.
3: They haven't changed enough. Like war happened, and I don't know. Like interesting. Yeah.
2: They're all. They're all just kind of the
3: same. Not that they're bad. I just like I've seen. I've seen the war story before.
0: The violence of a war movie is a different kind of violence yeah, than something you get exactly. in a superhero movie. It's hard to digest. It's almost too sometimes. familiar. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's almost just. And it's like sometimes the shock value yeah. of like, this is how it was, is just like, uh, you I know, think... they, you peel back that silver lining yeah. of Hollywood and you're just like, hey guys, this is like, we're trying to give you the most real this experiences. Like,
1: this happened.
3: You're like, yeah. oh, oh, this is ugly.
0: I think, and they were very hard to understand in Dunkirk. But yeah. I actually
2: liked the movie; I enjoyed it quite a bit. War movies, like it, historical, so there's not it happened already. Yeah, you can't, you can't change can't, it. Yeah, you can't really add stuff to it. Totally, yeah. but unless you're Quentin Tarantino, I was right about <laughs> yeah. to say, <laughs> like that's just straight shoot Hitler. The, Hitler in he's the different. Face. He's different. Yeah, this is an alternate <laughs> timeline, but it's the perspective that is being told in, it. and this was. Just this Dunkirk was just about what happened at this point in time, like in this battle and you know, this scenario (laughs) and how it was resolved. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about the characters per se, and it wasn't diving into any of their psyche. It was very much about saving Private Ryan, straight up character development. Yep, Mm -hmm. American Sniper, that's literally almost all character development. Mm -hmm.
1: Like, just so there's just different perspectives.
3: Fury, all character development,
1: yeah. It wasn't the war. I honestly have to say Fury is probably my least favorite war film of Mm. of recent of recent production. Like I'm just not. You weren't following it or No, I just I I don't maybe it was like an expectation that I had set previously before seeing it. Like that I just predisposed in my mind before seeing the film. And I I just it was not what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. And also I feel like being a tanker would suck. <laughs> True. Like almost worse than like infantry. Cuz like infantry you can run
3: and you can breathe air.
1: You can run. You can get the hell out of there. Yep. Get out, dude. I just wasn't having a good time watching that film.
3: Okay. And maybe so that's is what your it emotional was. response yeah, to Yeah, maybe okay. that's what it
1: maybe it's just my Are response. Are you claustrophobic? Maybe. <laughs> well now you in know in a tank I, I am maybe <laughs> in a maybe tank yeah. I don't know War I just I, I don't be. I just I, I, I mean well that issue with that before yeah. I thought you had an
2: issue with like the way the characters are laid out no
1: right? no I, I like
2: because like with David Ayer it seems like most of his movies are straight up just about Ayer. the characters in these situations right. not about the situation itself
1: totally Oh, no, You and you're totally yeah. correct about Theory that. Fury isn't about the war. It's yeah.
2: how the characters reacted Maybe the that war. was just another layer of why I I yeah. just didn't
1: like it as much as... But then on sense. the opposite side, Dunkirk sense.
2: is about the war yep. and not about the characters being in the and war. And that's
1: what was the interesting part, too, is that I, I, was talking, I was talking to Noel about it, and it was the sense of morality. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing you have to take into context, too, where it's like... Maybe that was what he was trying to drum up as well. It's like maybe that's why they, he didn't make it as like bombs are coming, like bombs are coming, like, hey, hit the deck. Yeah. He didn't want to make it that personal. He wanted you to realize like, this is just an act of war. This, this is literally – and it's almost like he was trying to subliminally tell the audience that they had lost hope completely. It didn't matter if you scream bomb. Yeah. You're going to die. Where are you going to go? Yeah you're going like, to hit the deck no and hope, hope to not.
2: What so get hit? I totally get that regard and I totally get like if you're trying to show like this is just what war is if you're if you're a bystander looking in. But to me, I think my issue was when I was watching it, I was expecting differently. I was expecting to follow the characters, like characters in a story, like how they reacted in this situation. And so if the crowd, if those guys on the beach didn't react like they didn't feel or at least didn't seem like they felt in danger then why should i feel any stake in it as an
1: audience watching this right you know no i can understand what you're no i mean there was a lot of stuff that was just like okay mm-hmm. that's interesting and i wonder if it's just because he had read so much on the personality or the way that these men felt because with like like with Americans we've all come to the conclusion that the american boys went in because it was almost like they had to like this was their duty to go do so because they needed to go save the free world and it was either it was like either there was the guys that just went out and did it and they were heroes or there was the guys that got drafted and they were scared out of their minds and a lot of i think a lot of people can obviously Relate to the hey, that's scary as hell, and that would suck really bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like with the British guys, it was like they were scared, but it was almost like it was almost like they didn't care if they died or not. For me, that was what was interesting to me. Just I was like, those
2: guys on Dunkirk,
1: yeah, yeah. And it's I'd never seen like that specifically. Like but
2: then why, in later or throughout the movie, you see these guys like they
1: really just want to go home, right? No, totally. But like for so me, so if they didn't feel the fear of death. You never saw so for me, it's like you saw I never saw a guy break down. Yeah. In Dunkirk. You go yeah. watch Band of Brothers. You go 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 watch or you go watch like Even in Fury. Yeah, Fury. You go watch like yeah. watch one of the best breakdowns in a war film I think I've ever seen is Adam Goldberg and Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Oh, for me. When he, when yeah. he, like, he goes, hey, look, a youth, a youth Nazi. And it's like, this is totally America. Like, a guy from New York, from Bronx, like, hey, look, I got a, a Nazi youth knife, dude. After he just takes it from this 14-year-old kid he just killed. This German kid yeah. that was strapped up with, like, a friggin' you know, Thompson. He's like, hey, look. And then, like, Adam Goldberg's like, yeah. And he, like, laughs. And he takes his helmet off and just loses it. Because he was seconds away f- from dying right and that i was like oh my god dude i remember being a kid watching that and just being like why did my parents let me watch this no they didn't i <laughs> snuck it <laughs> right then then for me i didn't see that in dunkirk i just saw them yeah. frantic and i understand and that would maybe that was the point mm-hmm. maybe there was no moment as a soldier on dunkirk that you had the time to even think about breaking down you didn't have the time to do that because once you did that you're dead Right? And that's what was interesting to me. I was like... That's- totally. It's different. And that, and that film, one of the cool things about that film, I think, just kind of closing out what I thought about it,
4: mm-hmm.
1: it made me think. Whereas there's a difference between thinking about something and dwelling on something. Like, I was stuck in thought. Like, like I put myself in that situation mm-hmm. there rather than, wow, that was really sad. That sucks that that happened. I would cry if I was in that situation. It wasn't about that. It was I felt like I was there. And it was very interesting. I've never felt like that before mm. watching a war film. I was like, whoa. I, th- I think that it was... Dope. It was a, So you took something
2: away from it. Oh, yeah, that's definitely. Awesome.
1: I definitely. I was, yeah. I, and that's the thing, too. I had only known facts about this. And they always skim over it mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And if you ever watch a documentary on World War II, they always skim over. They get to Dunkirk. The men that were on Dunkirk, somehow they got them out by a miracle because they, you know, they allocated all these, you know, all these uh, civilian boats. Thank God for the civilians, right? (laughs) But they never really dive into it. And I don't know. I never knew why. And I'm so glad that someone did it. And of course, it was that moment in your emotion bank. Yeah. And that was it was it was cool. It was really cool to see. Definitely not what I was expecting. Yeah. I th- yeah, definitely not what I was expecting, but great nonetheless. Oh, who
2: said my piece? Jamesy's.
1: It's just, I think it's cool too, like. <laughs> yeah. I obviously have a lot to say about this film. Clearly. Yeah, um, Which is good. I feel like it also is like a peek behind the blinds of what the British went through on, a, on like a larger level. Yeah. Like, because if you watch Band of Brothers, you really get a good idea of what America had to go through like they had to literally just bust through all this line whereas british they were for more than half the war just trying to survive so once the so once americans were there and they invaded they invaded normandy it was like oh god thank you now we can breathe let's start rebuilding let's start trying to like fortify some things and then you don't really hear... I mean, you hear about the British tankers, you hear about them kind of helping Russian soldiers, you hear about them helping the French, and you hear about them helping, obviously, uh, America, but you don't really... For whatever reason, there's, like, this big, big jump from, like, Dunkirk, nothing happens with the British, and then you see the African uh, the African fox get taken down, which is a whole different set of rules in Africa, and you see the British come back, take Africa back, and it's it's kosher, but... I thought it was really cool to see that side of everything, because it gives you the idea of how long the British were in it before we even we even thought about war. Right. Like these these guys were just losing for so mm-hmm. long, and it's just like, man, it's like almost hopeless. There's a point in that film where you're like, so everyone dies, got it? <laughs> it's like so there's there's yeah. no hope.
2: Okay. I forgot to mention I really like Tom Hardy's character, just because of the fact that we. He was the only character, at least to me, that we got the most emotional development from. And me as an audience member connected to that. The moment he was flying in this plane and he was about to run out of fuel, he needed to go back to refuel. But then the enemy planes were flying into the beach and there were still like over 100,000 guys left. And He made that choice. You could see in his eyes, he turned around and saved everyone on the beach. And he himself, like, he sacrificed his own freedom to save them all. That was the biggest emotional arc for me for oh, a character yeah. in that
1: movie. That's why I liked him the most. I, I was very, that was a cool moment, too, where I think I was very surprised to see. You don't really get to see it, but you got to see, like, Nazi soldiers take him. I was like, yeah. okay, interesting ending there. It's like, your boy Tom Hardy didn't deserve that. I was like, <laughs> okay. Way to, way to Game of Thrones it there, dude. Way to, like, just Damn. undeservedly kill someone. <laughs> I don't think he died. He was probably a POW and, hey, man, killed a soul. I don't, I don't know. I like I don't yeah, know don't enough know. about how how the Germans treated prisoners of prisoners of war from different armies. Have you seen The Great Escape? I have not seen The Great Escape. No, I haven't seen The Great Escape. Is that the old one? that song is from. With that whistle too. With tune. McQueen, I think, right? Yeah.
0: Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. McQueen. Dude, I want that Steve McQueen. I think he rode The OG.
1: The OG.
2: The motorcycle he drove, or ridden, rode, (laughs) was a Triumph T100, which is the bike that I want to build. He's a motorcycle enthusiast, that
0: Steve McQueen. And so he was like, I won't do this movie unless I can ride a motorcycle. Fun fact. That's cool.
4: And so (laughs) he did. So he, so he
0: did. It's basically about a bunch of World War II POWs. I believe they were American. And uh, it showed how they escaped a... Uh, Is that a true story? A, uh, I don't know, actually. I
1: I'm no, going to look it up. Thank no you. Idea. I'm
0: going to look that up. The Great Escape. I I'm think sh- it's based I'm off a true story. They basically dug themselves out.
1: Didn't they Did they make a game about that? They made a PS2 game, I think. Uh, I
0: know that I think a uh, uh, a band, Boys Like Girls, they they sang a song about it.
1: Throw
2: it away, Brigadier, and we will make the great escape.
0: That's a uh, wow! That was that was the theme right. song for the movie. At the end
2: of the episode, cut. <laughs> um,
0: my opinion on Dunkirk. Yeah, I liked it. Nope. all right. Thanks for watching, guys. Uh, We should probably wrap it up. We've been going a little long. But before we wrap it up, I want to ask you guys a question. Would you guys be interested in seeing Hawk Talk as a live show? We've been thinking that maybe we should make it live and, uh, you know, do it that way and interact with you guys a little bit more one-on-one and make it an actual one-on-one live show so if you guys are interested in seeing that leave a comment below let us know tweet at us i'm at Danny LeShep. tony's at walk on tony noel's at noel LeChef. and jeremy's at jeremy lee with three wise tress wise <laughs> tress and make sure to nice. like us on facebook there's a good chance we might stream on there but we also might do twitch or youtube let us know what you think we should stream on and uh yeah let us know if you guys want to see a stream and on that note, we'll catch you on the flippity-flop. We love you. Oh, dang, I was going to start doing something. It was going to be my catchphrase. I was going to end the show with something. Well, it's a good thing you S- didn't, it you uh, Oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> and always remember, a skiddly-diddly, a diddly-doo. Wow, that's oh, that's what, what it, it was. Forgot? That's what I it was. He's been doing that. that at
1: work. He's been doing that at work like every day.